0: You are listening to The Holy Backboard on the Sage Digital and Nothing But Net Networks. For more on your trailblazers, go to iTunes, search The Holy Backboard, and subscribe today.
1: All right, everybody. Welcome to the 138th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in rainy Rip City, and I got my man,
0: Sage, chilling here in Beaverton, Oregon, and we got a pretty special guest this week. It's somebody that Radio Sage, which is different than Podcast Sage, trained how to become a radio host and is actually in the industry that we were both trying to be in. I mean, I know podcasting and radio is very similar, and people will hear the rebroadcasted episode on Dash, Dash Radio, nothing but net radio. Me right now, I, I don't think I could be on terrestrial radio with how much I curse on this show. we got a very special guest. Introduce yourself to the wonderful people of the Holy Backboard.
2: Hey, it's uh, Ron Buchanan from uh, Blazer's Edge Radio, also right for Blazer's Edge. i uh, got a, the radio show weekly, Tuesdays, so uh, tomorrow... Noon on Xray uh, x-ray FM x-ray
1: dot FM. Awesome. Thank you for joining us. I know it's not under the the best of terms if you're a trailblazer fan, the blazers have dropped three of their last four uh, sitting thirty three and twenty three right now in the Western Conference, tied with Houston uh, for fourth, But Portland does have that tiebreaker um the worst possible time right now for the blazers to slump because as we all know we saw this as soon as the schedule was released in august the upcoming seven game road trip right after the all-star break is looming the blazers are 10 and 15 away from the friendly confines of the rose city only the san antonio spurs and the western conference at 10 and 19 have a worse road record And, oh, before you go on that seven-game trip, you get a taste of the defending champion and fully healthy Golden State Warriors. So, not trying to say panic and and doom and gloom, but if the Blazers don't handle their shit, they could be on the outside looking in of the postseason because the Sacramento Kings only have 26 losses. We have 23. Like, it's that tight right now. So, this is why the losses against Miami – and Dallas just means so much. You can handle the OKC one tonight because Paul George is playing like an MVP, but it's those sub 500, a little bit over 500 teams that are really, uh, those ones are the tough pills to swallow. So it seems like after that, that long layoff, a little bit of rust, complacency. What's going on, Ryan? What's going on, Sage? Why why have we seen the Blazers do almost a complete 180? They look so sharp against Utah heading into that mini break. And then all of a sudden, flat.
2: Yeah, I think, I think Russ definitely has got to play a factor into it. Uh, I mean, you, you had a nice performance against San Antonio and uh, Rodney Hood uh, stepping up right away. I, I, he's been pretty solid. I, I don't think he's been the issue. I think, uh, you know, it's weird. I, I, honestly, I feel like tonight, a lot of it was, it was the back-to-back, and I felt like just the demoralizing nature of that fourth quarter yesterday kind of carried into the first half of this game, and they just look like, they just weren't ready at all to play. Now, now, uh, credit where credits due, They made it the game in the second half, so that was big. Uh, but ultimately, you know, there' uh, no moral victories out there. This was a this was a bad loss. Still, I would
1: say I'm not upset at at this loss. We didn't get blown out, and I think that's the sign of a good team is not getting blown out when you challenge a team of similar or even better caliber than you, especially on their home floor. You mentioned it was a back to back. And all three,
0: away oh, back to back too. Yeah,
1: and all three games this year against the Thunder really could have gone either way. This one was probably an outlier if we're looking at the other two, but still Portland had it within five. Anytime you have it within five with a full quarter to go, uh, you like your chances. But the Dallas game, you're you I think you hit the nail on the head, and it's something I was thinking about. They let the Mavericks beat them twice. Um, I got off the bus, went upstairs, turned the TV on, and Saw we were pretty close, sat down. All of a sudden, Paul George just went on a tear, and the game was really lost right there. And Portland could never fully get it back. But it, it's these starts that we talk about. And something I want to discuss is that starting five right now of Dame, mm-hmm. CJ, Mo, Chief, and Nurk. They got off to an abysmal start against the Miami Heat. Um, I can't fully recall if they were part of that team that let Rudy Gay get back into it when we nearly blew a 21 point lead against the Spurs but they had an abysmal start against against Dallas it was the bench that really pushed the lead up twice dame also aided that that second comeback and then again like you mentioned this game what is it about the starters that they just can't seem to find their footing and this is supposed to, supposedly a unit that has they're going on three plus, two 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 plus years of, of continuity.
0: The rotations have been kind of strange for the Blazers, too. Like, uh, going to back to the hurtful Dallas game, Al-Farouk Amita goes out three minutes left in the third and doesn't come back until the game's over. You know who also came in at that time when al came out? Luka Doncic, and he didn't leave, and he went on a fucking tear. I can't help but think, if we had al guarding Luka it would probably be a little bit easier than Rodney Hood and Dame Willard and CJ McCollum trying to stop like an all world talent. So the rotations have been weird, the starting lineup's been weird. I, we can't have, we can't have Mo Harkless and Al Farouk playing because they are both super, super, super high variant with their scoring. And a lot of the times they don't get enough shots for either of them to do well. So why not get a score in the, as the three and then have Al Farouk just be that super complimentary defensive guy?
2: Yeah, I would agree with that hundred percent. I think, you know, it's fine to have a defensive stopper that doesn't give you much offensively in your starting lineup, but to have both of them that are right now pretty much at this point, offensive liabilities, you got to get either Jake or Rodney hood into that starting lineup along with one or two have the other one with the other top score off the bench, kind of balance it out a little bit more in my eyes.
1: I mean, I think that's a hundred percent correct. Uh, Sage, you're right. We cannot. We can no longer. It has been too long. That I mean, we the sample size hard. is
0: pretty humongous. Where the shit doesn't work.
1: It doesn't. The only time it works, Sage, was during that 13 game win streak when Mo Harkless played out of his mind. That Mo Harkless is not coming back.
0: Mm. And it, this the is the Mo Harkless is. we have to deal with, and we have to pay. And we could have, you know, we bought this team. I'm sure that there were trades for Mo Harkless. I'm sure there were trades for Alfredo Camino. We didn't take him. It means we bought him. We're stuck with him for the rest of the year. So this is what we have. There is no Bill Walton coming through the the, the the locker room. There is no Clyde Drexler. This is the squad that we have. So we have to find creative ways to get each of them some playing time because even this version of Moe Harkless deserves a few minutes.
1: I don't know. I, I have mean, not been impressed at all. I haven't Joel either. But... This year. He's had a couple of dunks where I'm like, oh, he's actually an NBA basketball player. But other than that, you can't rely on him to hit an open three. Absolutely. He, doesn't, he does not move without the basketball. Jake Lehman. So we've talked about the Blazers losing three of their past four. I would argue he's been the most consistent Blazer over this four-game stretch. You look against Miami, oh, yeah. 25 points, 11 of 17, adds eight boards. He adds in 13 points on 50% shooting against the Spurs. Gets uh, nine points on four of seven shooting against the Mavericks. And then tonight, 17 points, four blocks, a career high, four boards, five of seven shooting. Not only is he putting up numbers, he's doing it extremely efficient. And Portland just cannot afford to play Mo and Chief. Chief, you know you're going to at least get defense. You can live with that because of what he's able to provide on the perimeter. Uh, I, I don't see now that there's any reason to not start Jake and give him more. Like I am ready to give him 35 minutes a night. And then you've got Rodney hood coming in off the bench who, yes, small sample size. It's only been three games. He's shooting the lights out Mm -hmm. for Portland, you know, six of seven against the Spurs, three of seven against the Mavericks and then four or five tonight. Why aren't we distributing these shots a little bit more evenly? You know, you want to say free throws tonight or Paul George goes off. The reason the Blazers lost, in my eye, CJ McCollum took 20 freaking shots and only hit five. He took more shots combined than Hood, Lehman, and Nurkic. How is that acceptable on, on any level? And he was dreadful against the Mavericks as well. So CJ really, you know, I know we like to talk about uh, Aminu being the X factor. CJ, uh, he's just feast or famine right now. And I don't think a, a team with second-round aspirations can have their second-best player be Feast or Famine.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, CJ had three points in the second half tonight. Three points. And uh, so, I mean, yeah, I, I feel like the book on CJ is that he he has these games every once in a while where he, you know, goes for 30, and then, uh, you know, everything is kind of forgotten, and then we, we try to turn the page, and then all of a sudden, it's, it's he's just way too inconsistent.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, inconsistent is the perfect word to describe him. Obviously, he goes off against the heat. 33 points was our best player, 7 of 14 from downtown. Spurs, again, 30 points, 7 of 13 from downtown. So he's a combined 14 of 27 over these last two heading to the road trip. All of a sudden, the shooting, the shooting, I just like went completely left field. He is now 1 of 12 from three in his last two games. And he's taken 37 field goal attempts and only hit 11 of them. I I think I noticed a lot, at least in those two home games against the Heat and the Jazz 2 prior before that break when we didn't have Nurkic. We were getting CJ a lot of looks, just catching and shooting maybe one or two dribbles. I've noticed a lot more ISO heavy. CJ's pounding the ball into the hardwood for Five, six, seven seconds. These past two games, and that—that's just not his game. I know he thinks he can, you know, cross everyone over and put him on CJ's victims unit. But one, it takes too much time off the shot clock, and two, he has proven this year that he cannot be efficient doing that.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, how do how do we how does. He stopped doing it because it's been an entire year of him it, trying to. It
1: comes down to the coaching staff, and which is what we have been griping on. There's there's no accountability for certain players, and I would say Dame is the only one really void of of any fault. And yes, he does have some faults. He does take some bad shots, but you know he's basically Portland's savior at this moment. And just as we're going to you know shy away from Al Farouk's other you know deficiencies because he plays such great defense. Dame gets the benefit of the doubt because he's Damian Lillard and has done it for five, six, seven years. CJ, I'm not ready to award those same – you know, to award him those same um, ideals as, as Dame. Like, I think Terry needs to either run more screen action for him because he is such a lethal shot off the mid range, especially off the curl, or put him on the bench. And let others shoot the basketball because it has to be one or the other. You know, CJ is a shooter. He, if he could miss his first 15 shots and think the next 15 are going in, and that's the mindset you absolutely have to have. So I think there has to be some pushback, and I don't ever think that that's going to happen. Like Do you, you think said,
0: Terry's that dude that would bench a guy? No. Because he, we, we made all these jokes coach. about him being the, the player's coach and bringing orange slices to the guys at halftime. <laughs> and... I just don't think he's the type of dude that would hold CJ accountable that much by sitting his ass on the bench for taking fifteen shit shots in a row. You know, I mean, if we had someone to hold them accountable off the like an associate head coach, I feel a lot better. But because like the roles of the coaching staff is so questionable at best, like we don't know what any of these people's roles are, and you know. I just think the players have a lot of freedom with Terry Stotts, and freedom's good. But this much freedom, where you can just jack up shots without any repercussions, is bad.
2: Yeah, I I agree hundred percent. You know, everybody talks about. You know, everybody wants to come here because of the freedom of Terry Stotts' offense. Maybe it's because it is too much, and that it well, he doesn't them in at all.
0: You know, there's like a a play Alfruk does every game where it's a fast break, and he doesn't hand it to a guard like. You know, if it was a Popovich offense, he tries to take it, and, like, Euro steps his way to a fucking layup, and, like, he does it every, like, chance he gets, so the, the, the freedom is there, but it's like, do we really want him to do that? Why can't we just pass to a guard, and he'll, you know, make a nice cut to the rim or some shit? Uh, I mean, we, we've complained about this for his entire tenure, or the Holy Backward's entire existence, so we shouldn't really think of changing it now, but... Man, the, I, a lot I of think coaching. It,
1: something is going to have to happen or change for the Blazers to make it out of the first round. And they are pretty damn good at home, but again, it's a seven game series, and it's it's tough for four, five, six seeds to win all of their home games. Um, it's usually the top teams, and they they even struggle to to protect home court in the postseason for Portland. When I see them struggle, and it happens a lot of times on the road, they just don't play disciplined basketball. And I think we saw that in the fourth quarter a bit, is they made that run. But then you had Evan Turner. He was open, but he had no business shooting that three-point shot, and he rushed it. Yusuf Nurkic, (laughs) the other play following it step inside the three-point line, decided to shoot it, threw up air. It was such a bad shot. He was begging the officials to say that that it was tipped so we could get the ball back. (laughs) Portland just lacks a a shot discipline on offense. And, you know, defense is a whole other ball of worms. But I've just noticed whenever this team gets into a funk or struggles, they just get really reckless on the offensive end of the floor. And I just wish they would slow down a little bit. I mean, they've got one of the best centers – run the pick-and-roll action to Nurk, let Dame get to the line. I mean, you have to take a little bit more care of the basketball rather than just, it seems like we panic a little bit at times.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think you hit the nail on the head, man. I think, uh, you know, even Dame is a victim of uh, a poor shot selection at times. I mean, it's really kind of an epidemic on this team where when they get down, I, I think you're exactly right. They panic and they hit the panic button and uh, it just turns into a mess.
0: You can't really get all the points back on one shot like we think that, that they can. It's like, oh, that's a long three. That's still three points, though. Um, I mean, we
1: are we are and oh, 23 when trailing after the third quarter. So there has to be some merit to that. I mean, that to me is is mind-blowing that we have not been able to come back. Yes, you can say it's equally great that outside of the Dallas game, we were able to protect a lead. But to me, it is mind blowing that we have this much talent as a basketball roster, and we have not been able to come back. Um, at, at a certain point, they've heard the stat enough. It just feels like it's, I hope it mentally doesn't, uh, you know, stifle them come postseason time.
0: Hmm. So I got a question for both of you. Um, we, have, we, we seem to have a, a lot of players in the three, four swing, you know, Al Farouk, Mo, Jake, Hood, uh, Zach Collins. How would you? Who would you give the most minutes to, and who would you give the least? I'll let Ryan take this one first. So the
2: most out of, out of all those guys, yeah. Honestly, at this point, I would say the most to Jake with with the way he's. I don't yeah. think you I, can argue with that right now. And uh, I mean, the, the least at this point, uh, I think it's between Collins and it's between Mo Harquist because I mean, Collins is is he had a he had a good first half um, yesterday. Yeah, the, the Dallas foul. game
0: I thought was his best game I've seen in a yeah, very was, long time.
2: It got it got overshadowed a bit by the foul trouble that was not entirely his fault. But yeah, he had a good performance. But then you know, back today didn't really do much. Uh, he he and Mo are I think the guys that have both got to kind of be on the outside looking in. But I think it's easily got to be lame and getting more minutes.
0: And then Al Farouk would be the four in that scenario. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah it's it's easily Jake. I think at this point now we've seen the sample size grow. I mean, it's been feels like 15 games Mm. at least over a month where he's had this, this hot streak. And and it's been no coincidence that the, the bench has kind of found their spark again, because he's been in the lineup, making things happen, whether he's, you know, hitting threes off of the curl, off the step back, he attacks the rim. He rebounds very well for his position. And obviously he's the lob threat. So I want to see Jake as a starting three, I've been advocating for him to get 33, 35 Mm -hmm. minutes. You have to start chief right now at the four. That was one of the biggest kind of complaints I had about the trade deadline is we didn't upgrade that power forward position. And as you said, Sage, this is who we have going into the final home stretch of the season. So chief has to be your four. Um, I would give Rodney Hood six man minutes. I think he should be the first guy off the bench. And then, yeah, uh, Mo Harkless. I would give him only a spot I minute mean, I would give Mo Harkless the Zach Collins Myers Leonard treatment. You only play if somebody gets in foul trouble or the matchup um, dictates it. it. So yeah. I would, I'm Terry, I shorten the rotation rather than expand it. And it goes for, for Seth Curry too.
0: So the the thing I that I disagree with on Twitter and people saying stuff, they, they combine Mo Harkless and Alfred Camino too much. Yeah. I think they need to be separate entities in all conversation in, like, regards to rotation minutes. Yeah, Mo Harkless and Al Farouk don't shoot much, so they don't score much. Like, I, I think Al Farouk provides so much more defensively. You saw him get in Paul George's ass. In the, they put him on him way too late. Paul George was way too hot. But, like, you saw him try, and you saw him, like, make Paul George work. That's why Al Farouk Amino deserves minutes. Like, you take the scoring out of it. You don't want Al Farouk Amino to be your fourth scorer. I think we need to give Al Farouk a break. He's the best at what we got.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I think the difference is, like you said, even when he's not scoring, which is, you know, spotty score at best, you know he's going to provide the defense every night. That's not a given with Mo. He certainly has the – he can do it, but it's not – He's he's so inconsistent – uh, in all aspects of his game, that you—he's nothing is a sure thing on any given night with him, and that's that's the biggest difference between those two in my eyes.
0: And you can count on rebounding from uh, Al Farouk as well, which is a big part of his game. Like when when Al Farouk came to Portland, I was like, this dude's gonna provide excellent rebounding for his position, and he he has. Like there's some games where he doesn't get the minutes, or he boxes out for other people to get rebounds, but he definitely is a factor in rebounding.
2: Yeah, and and when you have guys like Layman and Hood at the three? There's no reason that you should have to play Harkless with the way he's playing. I mean, I get if you just don't have anybody and it's out of necessity, but you've got two really solid players right now mm-hmm. at that same position. And why is and he taking both, up so many minutes?
0: And both are their contracts are up, of course. That like they're gonna be restricted if we don't pick him up or in hood's case sign him to something so at least kick the tires on the guy see what he can do in these minutes and then harkless yo you're 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 tradable next year baby you're a free you're you're an expiring contract we can get rid of you there's no need to make him happy he's not gonna sign another extension here just with how toxic it is for him right now if you look on any social media any facebook any of that shit like Portland is not a Moe Harkless fan right now.
1: I mean, I don't know of any NBA team that would sign Moe Harkless if he was on the waiver wire. That's how bad he's been this year. No,
0: like, and and we we talked about Nico Meritik and the deadline trading Moe Harkless. But you know what? The the like the the gem of that would have been the first round pick. Moe Harkless isn't fetching shit. Yeah, maybe a worse a worse contract. Uh, I mean the trade deadline happened and. I had a fire alarm in my... uh, It was a fire alarm for the building. And I kind of think of what the Blazers did at the deadline. It was just like a little fire alarm. Nothing really major to talk about. Do you guys think Scott Labissier is going to play any meaningful minutes for this team?
1: Oh, absolutely not. I mean, I, I think we brought in Labissier... Because Neil O'Shea punted on Caleb Swanigan and was like, we are not going to pick up this guy's option. Let's kick the tires on Scal and see if there's, if there's a Shabazz Napier in there, or if there's a first year Harkless, where former first round pick didn't work out. I think we bring him in. He practices with the team. He plays summer league preseason. And if he doesn't work out next year, he he's probably gone because he has one year less on his contract than, than, than Caleb. Um,
0: so he's taking that Kings traded center role that Papa Giannis uh, took.
1: Yeah, and to be honest, like I, I saw that trade come through, and I was just like, "Shit!" Not because I was like upset with the trade, because I knew at the time that it came through that there was no other moves no, that no, we were done.
0: Were make. Yeah, we were done. We were done. So that was just like, I remember that year. It was the Ben Simmons draft. Yep. And like we, we as like fan broadcasters or whatever, we're thinking. It's Ben Simmons and then Scalabissier at the start of it. So, I mean, at least he has some blue chip promise to him. Like, he went to Kentucky. It was a first-round pick. At the beginning of the year, we thought he was going to be the second overall pick. There's, you know, some percentage of it working out in our favor. So that's great. I, I Biggie Twanigan was never going to get rotation minutes here. Scout might. Long-term. He's a long-term play. Yeah. And he's cheap. So it doesn't really like he's on his rookie deal. We can afford rookie deal players. I mean, our cap is absolute dog shit, but we can afford a uh, the, that rookie scale contract. So I, I'm I'm fine with it. It just was like, oh well, I can go back to playing NBA 2K. I don't need to worry about the Blazers making a big sweeping trade at 30 minutes left in the trade deadline. <laughs> were there any trades that were like? Damn, that's a good one.
1: Oh, Mirtich to Milwaukee, like mm-hmm. cemented the Bucks, I think, as a top two team in the East. I think Tobias. Yeah. Both ways, amazing. The Clippers can still fight for the eighth spot, but they open up cap space. There's already rumblings that players might want to migrate there. They've mm-hmm. got the illustrative Miami 2021 pick, which who really knows what that's gonna be, but it's for an unprotected pick, it's been traded more than I would have ever imagined um but Tobias gives them I think on paper if they were to match up with the warriors I would legitimately be intrigued by that series just because mm. of just the talent I think it was it was either Chauncey or Paul Pierce on one of the broadcast when the the Sixers played the Nuggets I believe and they said talent wins you games you cannot play your best but still win because you have more talent and they have accumulated just a war chest of blue chip talent. I mean, for all the picks they've missed on, they have done an amazing job hitting on Joel and Ben, but then also using their other assets to get Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris. Like, fantastic job to, one, Sam Hinky and two, Elton Brand out in Philly. I thought those, those two trades really kind of like – I'm more excited, honestly, for the Eastern Conference playoffs mm-hmm. than, than the Western Conference. Like the East feels like it's finally back.
2: Yeah, it was it was great to see the the top dogs in the East all going all in. That was really. Whereas the West, it was silent. I mean, Rodney Hood was maybe the biggest trade out here, unless I'm forgetting something on the on the in the Western Conference. I mean, there's just nothing going on in the West. Yeah. Uh, and then to see the East, to see all those du- guys duke it out, the uh, the Conference Finals, the Conference Semis. Those are going to be fantastic in the East. And, and I, so I love that all three of those teams are so aggressive because that, that conference is wide open. You could see like four or five different teams, probably four teams coming out of that conference. So, they, they, you know, whereas you don't have to deal with having the Warriors, uh, where I think is uh, for uh, rightly so, a lot of Western teams were hesitant to make a kind of big splash like that, knowing what you've got in Golden mm. State. With the Eastern Conference teams, it's more competitive, and uh, so they all went for it. You know, and even like a Toronto picking up Marcus, all yeah, I mean, that was a pretty bold move right there.
0: Absolutely, and you, you, did you see Jonas Valanciunas post something like "I'm back" on Twitter, and then they immediately traded him to, to oh, Memphis. the Raptors' Twitter did that, <laughs> yeah, oh, they did, yeah. oh my goodness,
1: it was oh. interesting that Boston sat this one out. Yeah, I mean, Boston has. You know, Danny Ainge has, you know, done that trade with Brooklyn. They got all of those assets, um, fleeced Philly for Jason Tatum and and that Kings pick. I mean, Jalen Brown looks like a solid pick, obviously. Um, You know, they they moved Isaiah Thomas in one of the picks for for Kyrie Irving. But it it seems like, is he overthinking it because they didn't do any moves and they made it to the uh, conference finals last year with, no Irving, no Hayward, and just these young bucks and Terry Rozier, and they all knew their role. And now Gordon Hayward comes back, and Kyrie's saying, "Oh, if you have me, I'll stay." And you know, I don't owe anybody shit. I, I don't. I don't know what to make of Boston because if we're ranking those teams right now, Boston is a clear number four
0: out mm-hmm. east. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think, without, I, I, I think they're like. We're gonna get AD. We don't have to make any trades, but it's like, man, there's think, still a question AD mark of AD going
1: Philly or or Milwaukee
0: or New York. I mean, it, New York. If they get Zion, that trade's as good as done. So it's like, damn, you're resting on your laurels, but your two, you know, big money pieces weren't there in the playoffs. So it's like, what? Do, what is Gordon Hayward gonna do? And he's looked trash this year. He is not 100. percent So like. Man, you, you've given a max contract to a dude who's not worth a tenth of what he's getting. It's it. They're they're confusing, but I think Danny Ainge is just hoping AD fixes it all, or if that trade even goes through, AD fixes it. But I yo, I in theory, I really love that Toronto trade for Marcus All. Like having a center that can pass that well, and having Spicy P and Serge Ibaka. That that. That front court is looking legit. How would you How would you rank the top four in the East? Toronto, Milwaukee, Philly, and then Celtics. What about you?
1: I would have Milwaukee one A, Philly one B. I think those are def- I think that's seven game series that's going Eastern Conference Finals right there. I got Toronto three. Um, just because I, I don't know if I can count on Kyle Lowry in in the postseason and Kawhi, it'll it Toronto's very interesting to me. And then Boston, a clear clear number four. I mean, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if uh, if they get into a four or five matchup with the Pacers. Even yeah, the Pacers 50. play hard. Yeah, play, the Pacers play. play fucking hard under Nate McMillan. So that mm-hmm. they could do what they did to the Cavs last year and push them to seven.
0: Even the for... Pacers too, like with Coach Nate. Cohen completely out of what he's used to and succeeding that's great but what were you saying Ryan
2: I was saying even Brooklyn could be a team that could oh, give they're them tough a, as give them a run
0: we're playing them soon right they're yeah, tough yeah. as hell yeah yes,
2: uh, uh, and uh you know they're gonna get Dinwiddie back eventually they got Karis Levert back that, that's gonna be a, upset a
0: fucking beast right he's, now he's been
2: great this year I didn't think yeah. he'd ever kind of uh have this kind of year
0: Atkinson's a good coach. Who's who's been talking about how great he's been for the last four fucking years? Me, um, that's a good team. The Brooklyn Nets are kind of like a sage experiment of like everything except Alan Crab is a sage guy.
2: That Ed Davis pickup is looking huge with what he's done. Look at what like Jared Allen's doing right now. You know Ed Davis is behind the scenes mentoring him. I mean yeah. it, I, that was a huge pickup for them. Krucilos or ah,
0: shit, what's he's a Euro dude Kruc. Krukul- sorry but he's really good that team has a lot of skill play ronda hollis jeff's coming back like that team's good like the eastern conference is gonna be a fun fun team fun fun uh conference to watch oh yeah and like of course i have to watch the blazers of course i have to watch the pelicans but when i want to watch you know actual basketball that's not potentially irritating for me i'll watch the raptors or i'll watch the bucks
1: so for the second consecutive year, Neil Walsh did not use the trade exception, one for Alan Crabb and two for Noah Vonley. Um He literally had them back-to-back years around the deadline. And again, kept the first round pick. What And Evan Turner actually said this best um, a few, maybe a month ago. He's like, the direction of the team is a little uncertain. We have all these vets and you've got Dame and CJ, but then we bring in, you know, two 19 year olds in the draft, like where, where, where are we going? And that's kind of how I felt at this deadline. I thought the hood trade was a steal. You can trade second round picks. You can buy second round picks. To me, that's not, not a big, big, big deal. You get basically a half a season audition for for Rodney hood, who was a beast in in Utah, but Portland still didn't, I, I feel like for whatever reason, Neil was afraid to go, all in. I think he's like he's got one foot in the water, and he he's, that just doesn't want to jump in. And I think with Dame right now, about to turn twenty nine in July, um, all that extension and, and looming candidate. Yeah, he is the franchise. It, I, I really think you have to say we're either going all in or we're going full rebuild because the, this towing the line, sitting on the fence. It's only going to agitate Dame. It's only going to get the fans' expectations up when we win and clearly down when we lose because we're an inconsistent roster, inconsistent team. So that that was the biggest frustration for me because I felt like there was a guy like Miritich, um to be had. I mean, we saw the package that that he... It was returned.
0: four first-round picks and Stanley Johnson, who Second. in a text I said to you, he looks bulky. He's not skilled. He's bulky. That was the positive spin I said about him.
1: I mean, there, there were... There were players that got moved for deals for much less than, than I would have expected.
0: If Neil uh, pulled that Tobias Harris trade, you know how hyped we'd be right now.
1: Yes, yeah, so, so I don't like Neil, but I will say we did not have the assets that
0: the Clippers wanted for
1: Tobias. We did not have enough expiring. I so Neil obviously had his press conference, um, and he did make one valid point: Portland did not have the expiring contracts that were really delivering in terms of value. We have those next uh trade deadline. But I still think Is Neil put, gonna be there for it though? I don't know. But I all I'm saying is I think no first round picks really got moved this year. If Portland put theirs in play, I just have a hard time believing that doesn't net them. Nico. Yeah. I I would have absolutely put a first round pick. I would have added a second round pick to get him. I think when we see the Blazers play in the postseason you have to have shooters around around Lillard. Like mm-hmm. that, you cannot have anyone who's even remotely inconsistent. Otherwise, they will dial in on him, like they did Aminu last offseason yep. or postseason, and they'll, they'll dare him to beat him.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, we still have a very sus fourth fifth fifth best player, fourth best player. I mean, whoa, whoa, shooting whoa. is how dare you slander Jake Layman like that? I'm sorry, uh, I did say fifth.
1: Jake,
0: I mean, Jake Lehman's our fourth best player right now. Jake Lemon's our best
2: player
0: right now. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry to disrespect the pale god, man. He, but yeah, Jake lehman has been fantastic. He definitely is our fourth best player. But, I mean, do you think Neil's inability to make those trades is coming from his thin ice job position because if he makes a trade and it fails, he's gone. So why not stay the same and then get fired later?
1: I don't know what it is. And maybe Ryan, Ryan will have a, a better answer, but all, all I've heard from Neil when he got here was he made that Chris Paul trade from new Orleans to Los Angeles. And he was like, you know, I'm going to acquire assets and I'm going to go after that star like I did. And, And that was what he was really holding on to. And he hasn't done anything remotely close to trading. Do you
0: think David Stern made that trade or Dell Demps made that trade?
1: I, I will say it doesn't happen unless that first trade gets vetoed. Mm-hmm. But he he did put together a nice asset list at the time for CP3. And what mm-hmm. I'm saying is like we've heard rumors of putting three picks up to Indiana for Paul George. Um, it just seems like he's he wants to make the perfect trade but he will never feel like he's over-investing or over-trading because we could have had Paul George if we included C.J. McCollum. Yes, hindsight, twenty twenty, whatever. But it just feels like he's he's wanting to get, like, oh, I have to get perfect value or I have to get a deal. I think he's not able to just say, okay, I need to pay up for this guy. Like, I really want this guy. I'll, what are you asking for?
0: It's weird. It's kind of like, remember the whole Denver situation when they, they had Winston and... Uh oh, Wilson and uh, Dano and Kenneth Reed, they didn't make a trade once and then just took dimes on the dollar, pennies on the dollar for those assets. I think we're headed down that part, uh, down that where we could make trades, but we don't want to we have to win 100%. And GMs, opposing GMs don't want to just like, here's my best asset for this dog shit. That's it's not NBA two K when you turn off trade logic off. You know you got to give if you're trying to getting a good player, it has to hurt in some way for you to get that good player, whether it be first round picks or good players.
2: I, I think the thing for Neil right now is basically almost everything he's done for the last couple of years, he's just been to save his own ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think you know to use a baseball analogy. Instead of just swinging and risking missing, he's just laying down the bunt and just kind of trying to keep pushing it further down the line so that he can still keep saying, you know, potential, potential, potential. He doesn't want to swing and miss and then have nothing to fall back on.
1: I mean, I think that's absolutely right. And everyone is so concerned about another Lamarcus Aldridge situation where, you know, we have our superstar and he leaves us for nothing. But at the same time, we. I would rather go out like to to do a baseball analogy, I'd rather go out swinging than looking. Like mm-hmm. don't ring me up. I like I'd rather want to see my pitch and try try and take a swing at it and you know we see all of these players, you know it's going to be Anthony Davis next year, it with Jimmy Butler this year, uh Paul George, um Kawhi Leonard. Those teams said we're going to go for it. We've got a young enough, a good enough roster with superstars in their prime. We're gonna try and see if we can win them over with our culture. Mm-hmm. And too many times, and I don't know if it's a Portland, um, kind of emotion or just you know we feel woe is me. But every time I, I I feel like we tweet about oh you know let's go after so and so if they only have one year left on the deal oh they'll walk they'll they'll just leave. It seems like there's such a pessimism surrounding so oh, yeah, like, like- the city and the franchise. Like we have Damian Lillard. Like let's give him a chance to woo a free agent, actually a potential free agent. Mm-hmm. Um, get them in the culture. Like we, all, Portland always has success trading and keeping rather than just straight up luring out of free agency.
0: I remember on Twitter, people arguing with me about like, uh, if we, if they could potentially get Anthony Davis, they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't give unprotected picks. They'd want the protection just in case Anthony Davis leaves. It's not, not how just, it works. That, <laughs> first of all, that's not how it works. And it's like, man, you don't trust. That you could be successful with two transcendent players? Damn, guys. You He's he's not willing to take that risk. I, I would be. If I get fired, I get fired. But at least we, we tried. We did something and tried and failed, but at least we tried. He's too afraid to fail. But he's going to fail. He's going to get fired eventually. I, I would probably... say he
2: already has failed.
0: Yeah, oh, he absolutely has failed <laughs> But the final failure will be when he gets fired well, You know
2: <laughs> Who's going to fire him right now though I I mean there's no owner I, McGowan's not going to fire him
0: Isn't uh, Paul Allen's sister See, She's not, not going to
2: fire him You think she's going to step in and fire O'Shea?
1: Well, Burt Cold could make that call. He's the only one I could see that be like, okay, Jody, this guy needs to go. So I think he will ultimately be maybe not the ultimate decision maker, but I think he will have ultimate influence, just like he did.
2: Do you realistically see that happening, though?
1: If the Blazers don't get out of the first round, I think both Terry and Neil. This, This year? Yeah.
0: I want that shit so bad.
1: No, I want to make the second round. Like just because I'm not the biggest Terry Stotts or Neil Olshey fan, like if they succeed, fucking great. Like I want to watch a team play into May. Like I'm not going to let my personal vendetta against their, you know, profession hinder my six, you know, my happiness for for the for the Blazers. Like I want to see the Blazers succeed, and I truly do feel like this roster is it, it's good enough to get into the second round. I mean. It's 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 a small margin of error because there's so many teams mm. that are bunched up together outside of a Golden State. But anytime you can say you have Dame and York, you know CJ can get hot. Like you have that three. You got the whole Lehman, Jake. Jake it, it's a good like. I don't think you could really say. Oh, Utah, you definitely have a better roster. San Antonio, much better. Houston, much better. Like it, it's it, there's nothing, it's Golden State, and then everyone else has their flaws.
2: Mm. No, I mean, uh, if you think about it, I mean, if they really get rolling, they could make the conference finals. I mean, I mean, you're, they're not going to win the conference finals, but there's no reason that they can't get past those other teams. Like you said, they're all kind of lumped together. If they really get locked in, this team's capable of getting the Western Conference finals.
1: And to be honest, that's that's the goal right now. In, in the Warriors era of the NBA, that's success, is getting to the second round or the conference finals. And... You view that as a as a successful season, you know. I used to only view like, okay, it's either championship or bust. But you know, being a fan since 1990 and going through nearly 30 years of of fandom and seeing the ups and downs, like the teams I cherish the most are the ones that advanced the furthest. And just because they didn't win at all, doesn't mean that that wasn't a failure of a season. Even looking mm-hmm. back, like I, I love those early 90s and late 90s Blazer teams, and I just want to have another. Another run. And even if it ends in the conference finals or a, a game six or a game seven of the, the conference semifinals, we'll take that. that. That would be a very successful year. And then, and then you you build upon it. And then maybe Kevin Durant goes east and all of a sudden all hell breaks loose. And it's super wide open. So that's why I was so upset we didn't swing for the fences a bit because right now is the door closed? Absolutely with Golden State. But July one, it could open wide open again, mm. and you're ready to to pounce. So that that's why I, I really wish we would have uh, put our first round pick in play and, and gone for it. But just because I don't know, one if this draft class is as deep as the previous two, and then two if that rookie is gonna help, you know. Now, now. I mean, you have like you been watching person. any
0: college basketball? Fuck no. What I mean, about you, Ryan.
1: I, I really thought we were going to yeah gonna this pick. So I haven't been paying attention.
2: Yeah. I think this, the problem with this draft class is it's so top heavy. You've Mm -hmm. got, you know, you've got the big dogs up front, but then once you get past, I don't know, four or five, it's, you know, it's kind of doesn't do a whole lot for me. So I think you've got, you know, Transcendent players at the top, and that can kind of fool people into thinking that this is a great class, but it's just not a deep class at all.
0: Yeah, where we are, it's like I don't see a point. I I don't see any wings that will help now that are either athletic enough to play basketball and then shoot three pointers. The bigs are going to take for fucking ever, and we are going to try.
2: Maybe he's a he's a guy to watch. I don't know if he'd fall to uh, to where the Blazers would be after all, but I think he's got the potential. He could be that guy of Virginia.
1: Yeah, he's a a really, and I remember him because I think he got hurt last year, and he was one of the reasons that Virginia was able to be upset um, as a number one seed. But I I was, you know, when I get sad and depressed about the Blazers, I look at Tankathon and see where we're at, and look at their mock draft, and they have him going top 10. So I think it goes to show, one, how strong of a prospect he is, but two, maybe the caliber uh, of this draft class where he's there.
0: Um, Tilden Johnson's my favorite prospect so far.
1: You know, I would say Neil Olshay does a fantastic job at drafting guards. The mm-hmm. only problem is I don't see any – unless he's clearly the best player available, where is there room for another guard? I mean, Gary mm-hmm. Trent Jr. basically made the G League his personal playground and, and still can't can't sniff sniff the roster. So there's really no room for another guard. So either Neil needs to find some magic or really learn how to scout some some small forwards and
0: up. Mm-hmm. And they're really – I mean – it, it's, it's not a whole lot. No, yeah, it's not.
1: So the Blazers have seven of their next eight on the road. Obviously, Golden State coming up before the All-Star break. Then they hit the road for, for seven straight games, which we will obviously discuss over the course of the next few weeks. But it's Brooklyn, Philly, Cleveland, Boston, Toronto, Charlotte, and, and Memphis. Guys, does this stretch and i guess you can even include the previous two games you know when we had nine of ten on the road is this going to define the blazer season and their playoff position or are they going to come out of it six and four five and five and then reel off a bunch of wins like they did last year and really make a push for home court advantage
2: yeah. i feel like this will make or break it i think mm-hmm. The, the nice thing is you've got the break before those, uh, you know, not Golden State, but before that huge stretch against those East teams you mentioned. You do have the break. So, you know, going into the break, if you're looking not good, that's fine. If you come out of the break and you look like shit, then I think that it really becomes an issue. And without with how tight the race still is in the West, I don't think you can afford to just go over in that stretch and come out alive.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's important, man. I mean, we're we're dog shit on the road, so we have to prove that we can win on the road, one, and beat teams that aren't in our division or in our conference. The, these playoff teams need to win these games, and if we have to prove that we're a playoff team, we got to win these games. I know Philly's going to be tough, but there's some very winnable games on this stretch. We just have to show and prove and execute.
1: Yeah, I think... Honestly, as, as weird as it sounds, I think the Golden State game is going to set the tone. If you remember last year, we played the Golden State Warriors right before the break and beat them. Mm-hmm. And then our first game back after the break was a red-hot Utah Jazz team in Salt Lake City, which Portland defeated. And that kicked off their 13-game win streak. Probably not going to get a 13-game win streak with this schedule up in, in you know looming. But I think if you beat a fully healthy Golden State roster – you feel a little bit better about how you played those previous four. Oh games. Yeah.
0: It legitimizes you. And then beat that team,
1: I don't even know if it legitimize. I think it just gives them like, okay, we are good. Okay. You know, we can do this. Let's get our minds. Right. Let's take a break and let's get back. Cause we know we got this road trip. I think if you go into the break, losers of three straight and four or five, and then you see seven straight on the road. If the blazers don't come out of that four and three or better, chances are we're we're probably going to be like a seventh seventh or eighth seed just because of how the schedule shaped up for us. Yes, it was difficult. I believe we had like the third most difficult schedule through December, but then it really lightened up in January and, you know, everyone plays 41 on the road and 41 at home. It just so happens that we're, we're getting bunched up together and March is a killer. So if, if we go on those, you know, four out of five or, you know, seven of eight where we lose – we're going to find ourselves on the outside looking in, and I think that would be a shock to the players, the fans, the coaches, everyone league-wide if the Blazers are finding themselves on the outside looking in. Will we have a
0: show before the All-Star break? No, nope, this is it. Okay. Are you excited for any of these events, either of you? I mean, I'll watch
1: the the dunk contest and the three-point shootout, but it's, it's always like for whatever reason, when the all-star weekend happens that they like to reflect on the first half of the season, they'll maybe even show the standing. So if the blazers are kind of slumping, I, I just kind of like shy away from that and kind of do other sports things or just try to get rid of sports for a while. Uh, Cause it's, it's tough to watch other sports when the blazers are struggling and they're, they're definitely in a struggle right now. But I, I hope Dame or CJ wins a three point contest that uh, no blazer has ever won a three point or a dunk contest. So It would be cool to see that happen. You know, check that off the list.
0: Just think, Uh, bro. I'm going to have to deal with Anthony Davis leaving for at least 20 minutes a day if I'm watching. (laughs) Oh, man. So you you, you got it easy. (laughs) Hey, I just wouldn't watch if I were you, man. It's going to be brutal. (laughs) Man, are you excited? Are you going to watch any of the... Bestivity. Yeah, I'll
2: watch! I I think I'm I'm kind of excited to see Dennis Smith in a dunk contest. I think mm-hmm. he has the potential. He's explosive, man, and I, I, so I want to see what he can do. He had some he had some fantastic dunks in college. I want to see what he can do.
0: Malcolm Bridges is, can blam it too, or my shit is uh, Miles Miles I'll
2: Miles, miles,
0: miles Bridges. Bridges. Whoops! I loved him so much at Michigan State. I forgot his first name. He can blam it.
2: I mean, watch I, out for John Collins.
0: I love John Collins. Yeah, I would love to too. see him.
2: You got some guys in that. That's a, a good field. I'll give him credit. It's a good and field. Diallo's
0: the fourth, right?
2: Yeah, yeah and I, he's and he's pretty athletic too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, shit. I
0: liked him in college in Kentucky.
1: Yeah, I, I so know, I, that I is a about guys though like that that don't play in NBA games. Now they're gonna the whole spotlight's gonna be on them. Like, how is he going
0: to react? I remember when we like watched Jones. Gerald. I remember when we watched Gerald Wallace in the dunk contest and they were shocked at how deep his voice was when he was on the Kings. (laughs) What was, what was your favorite dunk contest? Uh,
1: Well, I wasn't old enough to see the, or I was old enough, but I wasn't really, I was like two. So the, the Dominique Vince battles with, with Drexler and Kersey in there every year in the eighties. It's fun to watch nostalgically, but being able to consume it in real time and remember was definitely the two thousand with Vince. Yeah, like I skipped Vince. going to my high school Valentine's dance to watch that, and it didn't disappoint. Like that was the that was the greatest spectacle <laughs> I had seen in All Star Weekend ever.
2: The first one that I remember watching really closely was the uh, Jason Richardson year. Uh, and that was all right, but I think my favorite, honestly, in the, in the last couple of years, was when Aaron Gordon did this thing with the uh, okay. with the spinning mascot a couple of years ago. <laughs> I think that might be my favorite moment that I that I can remember seeing.
0: I thought Ryan was trolling me with the Eric Gordon three point shootout win in New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> That was my least favorite part of All Star Weekend ever. Oh uh, well, no second. My least favorite ever was Chris Paul missing the layup on the skills contest. Do you guys oh, remember yeah. that? I remember
2: that. I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> that
0: sucked. Oh.
2: <laughs> I feel like the skills contest always—you always, always see when well, you see the guys that are in it. You always think it's going to be cool, but then the obstacle course is just so <laughs> underwhelming. It never ends up being cool at all.
0: No. Nah. Do you guys give a shit about the team Giannis team LeBron concept, or or would you want it to go back to East v West?
1: It was fun for a year that they did the draft, then they televised it, and I was I wasn't really into it. I'm all just bring back East West.
2: Yeah, I'm kind of there. Oh, it was kind of fun watching the draft. I like that they televised it. I think that was that was big. Um, but yeah, I I think I, the the problem is um I, yeah I would just go East West.
0: It's What's easier. the
2: point of having? I mean, it feels like it. it you've got it in the playoffs still, but like you've got to have a separation there.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm gonna watch, of course, but it's just like I'm not getting hyped over. Like, like it ain't 2000 anymore. I'm, I'm not hyped when you know you see. AI, uh, Marbury, Vince Carter, Dikembe Mutombo just beast the the Western Conference. I remember those All Star games vividly. This one, I'm like, yeah, I'll watch, but it's not gonna, it's yeah, not gonna get my suck. jollies off.
2: Yeah, it'll probably suck.
0: Yeah. Did we talk about the games of the next? Did we preview games? Because I already forgot.
1: There's only one game.
0: Golden right. State. Uh, all right, so Golden State. Do we win or lose is the main question.
1: I mean, oh. I, I don't want to say it because I'll, I'll be in the audience. I'll be, you know, I'm taking my dad to the game. But I think it might be a bloodbath. Like I think we might get run out of the gym. The way we're playing and starting games, uh, we just don't look like a team. We look like a team that that needs the All Star break for whatever reason. We just had a long break. <laughs> a another
0: All Star break.
1: Yeah, the team needs another break. I don't know what it is, but. Maybe they'll surprise us like they did last year, but if I if I was a betting man, like I, I think whatever the the spread is for the war, take the Warriors. I just they have so many superstars and they seem like they're clicking right now. And Portland's kind of trending downward. Uh, I, I don't even know. We
2: if it's a game, I'd be happy at this. Uh, yes, if it, I would if, it, be- if it's a contest, I'll take that.
1: Yeah, if it's it's like the matchup in – we had back-to-back games against the Warriors. Obviously, we pulled off the Miracle in Oakland and then the following back-to-back. I think it was a Saturday. We played them pretty tough in Portland. Yeah, they got up about 14 when we clawed back. So as long as it's competitive, I'll be happy. And I think that should give Portland even some confidence. Like, you cannot go into the break getting blown out. Like, they have to make it close. They have to do something – even better come back after the third quarter get that get that streak over with because that is so say you you're talking about the narrative about Anthony Davis in New Orleans if the blazers have not had a third quarter comeback the whole season that's all anyone is ever going to talk about in the playoffs
0: yeah sure 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 I i remember when we first became friends in the 2012 Uh, season and it was the Hornets of New Orleans and the Blazers and the Hornets blew them out and I remember how happy not happy but like how you're like awesome I don't have to do a lot of work on social (laughs) I vividly remember you'd be like okay I can just enjoy and watch a game Uh, this is such a long year and it's so compressed just make it a show and I'll be happy Blazers that's all I really need yeah
1: it's tough to see the light at the end of the tunnel after losing three or four and and seeing what's what's up ahead. I think it will really be a testament of Damian Lillard's leadership. And basically we're seeing Jake Lehman kind of rise, rise to the top. Is anybody else like Rodney hood's kind of taking that step? Like who's going to join them? Like who I I think these, this next stretch of a a week, two weeks is really going to show Dame, you know, who he can count on and, Mm. I don't know if he he would never admit it, but there's got to be a part of him that's like, can I count on CJ? Like, I'm not trying to start some shit right here, but like, if I'm Dame, you're like, can I can I really count on on this this dude to lean on? Mm-hmm. Like, he knows he can do it with Nurk. Jake's showing it right now, but like, I I really do. I think these next eight games
0: are gonna show what the team's made of, good or bad. So, Ryan, where can people find your stuff again?
2: They can find me at uh, BlazersX.com, and I also do the Blazers Edge radio show. that's live on X-Ray FM, little independent station up in Portland, uh, X-Ray.FM, also 91.1 FM and 107.1 FM in the Portland area. Uh, we go every Tuesday at noon on X-Ray there.
0: I was a guest on two of your shows this year, Double, and I didn't been on the
2: no, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: I haven't cursed once, which I'm very proud of. So no, you've
2: been good. You've been good.
0: Yeah, I've been a good guest, which makes me happy. And no cursing is a personal, you know, goal of mine every time I'm on terrestrial radio, because dealing with FCC bullshit sucks.
1: <laughs> I'm used uh, to it by now. Sage, you know what I just realized? What's up? That Warriors loss that I predicted is probably the first in months. I I was thinking this the other day. I predict a win like every game.
0: No, this is this is when the rea- This is when like you know recency of mad losses in a row comes back, and you're like, ah, I think we're gonna lose. You know, this is when this is when shit gets real, man.
1: I don't like it. I liked my blind optimism that I had with <laughs> you know, reckless abandon. I felt so bad for the cats after the Blazers blew that Dallas game that I gave them fancy feast anyway.
0: May be this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody.
1: Let's go.